Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, it says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, they went out with his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his, one of his brethren. And he looked his way, this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no, no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me? as thou killed, killed the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. We can break this, we're going to go through this whole chapter all the way to the end of chapter 2. We can break it down into four different parts. And the four parts would be uh, Moses' pride, Moses' path, Moses' peace, and Moses' plan from God. And isn't it great that God still has a plan even when we've done something wrong? The first problem you're going to find is his pride, and we call it sin with what he's done, and we looked at um, Joseph, and Joseph was a man God tested. Moses is a man that God moved. He's constantly moving. You, you, you see where he's at, and, and a lot of these movements, some take a little bit longer. In fact, when you read this in, in verse number 11, it says it came to pass in those days that Moses was grown. You can study it in, in the New Testament, and you'll find that actually at this point, he's about 40 years old, and he's been... He's been taught everything the Egyptians have taught. He, is, he has got an education beyond any of the Hebrews, and he knows what he's doing, and, and he, he knows exactly the, the, the background of what the Egyptians are. And In fact, you'll study in this that he's trying to figure out who he is. And the people are trying to figure out who he is. Even in this first account that we read, it's interesting what they said about him. And we'll look at those in just a second. But I want to look at his, his pride. We're going to look at the first part as this movement starts in um, verses 11 through 14. You're, you're going to see that God uses him despite his faults. Aren't you glad God looks past your faults? Now his fault is a big one. And so he mentioned these few verses of what he's done. This, the, 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 his main sin was this, that he got mad at somebody and he killed him. So let's break this down. Let's look at his pride issue. And remember, Moses is trying to figure out who he is. And um, it says, Moses was grown in verse number 11. And he went out unto his brethren. Now who is his brethren? To him his brethren are what? The Hebrews. But to the Hebrews, they don't look at him the same way. And if you were to take a poll at the very end of verse number 14 and say, who was going to lead the, the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses would be the last person anybody would say because of what he has just done. But God has a way of understanding somebody and looking at the situation and forgiving him. And he actually uses him despite his faults. So here you have him that he was grown. Let's look at the, the account of this. Go to Acts chapter 7. Jump back to Acts chapter 7 and see what the, the New Testament says about him. Acts chapter 7. Let's look at the account in here, and this is where it tells you how old he was. Acts chapter 7 and verse number 17. It says in verse number 17 in Acts chapter 7, it's talking this about the story of Moses, and it says, But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose, which knew not Joseph. It's very familiar with what we wrote in, in, in Exodus chapter 1. It says that we read, And the same dealt subtly, 
with our kindred and evil entreated our father so that they cast out their young children to the end that they might not live, in which time Moses was born and was exceedingly fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian and was mighty in words and in deed. And when he was a full 40 years old, it came to the, into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended them and avenged them, him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Here's a story, and it tells you how old he was. And here he's 40 years old when he goes out, and it's interesting, it says that he was learned in the Egyptian. Egyptians were very good with astrology. They were also very good with medicine. You think of anybody that's that in that time factor where you find a, a dead body that's embalmed that still can make it, the Egyptians knew how to do it. Thousands of years before us, if they found an Egyptian tomb and they looked at it, and, they, and if it was truly an Egyptian, when they would take that out, it would show you that they, had, they understood science. They also understood astronomy. The other thing that, I, that I've been reading on, it's interesting that they, they also did really well with colors. Um, they, they said that if, if modern technology could do what Egypt had done back then with the colors that they did, the, the tapestries and the paintings and stuff like that, it, it would be, they would love to have that, that, that technology that they had. They, just, they were above every, every other culture at this time. In fact, if you think of it, when, we, when I say Egyptian, what do you think of? You think of King Tut and the, and the gold and the black and all these different things. But these guys, they knew what they, what they, what they studied. And, and they actually said that back in this, in this time, that they were one of the first people that said that the earth was round. They were the ones that, that, that pinned that, that the earth is round because people thought it was flat. And they also could, they, they said they also could tell you how far the sun was from the planet. I don't know how they did that, but they were above most people in the world. And so now Moses is thrown into this. He's learned what they know, but yet he's still he's trying to figure out who he is. Now let's look at this in the next, in verse number 11. It says, it says that he went out unto his brethren. And it says, and he looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Now he's 40 years old, he's grown up in the, in, in the palace, and he knows who Pharaoh is, he knows all the servants, and yet he sees a Hebrew getting beaten, and yet he still calls him his brethren. He knows his history, he knows who he is, where he came from, and he sees this, and he just doesn't like what he sees. Now, there's other ways he could have handled this, but we're going to see what he does. Go to, go to the next one. It says in verse number 12, and he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The problem was he wasn't looking the right direction. He was looking this way, and, and you can almost picture this. He's out there, and he sees this, this man getting beaten, and he, he looks this way, he looks that way, and there's no one to be found. The problem was there was somebody there. Who was it? God was watching, but there's somebody else that was there. The man that was getting beaten. And so he gets irate, loses it, and kills the guy. And then what we normally do, what people do with their sin, what does he do? He hides his sin. He, he buries the guy and hides the sin. So he thinks he's gotten away with it. And, and, and you, you see this, sin comes, don't, we need to make sure that we look the right way. 
He hides his sin, and then in verse number 13, and when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. Now he's, now he's out walking around, and he sees two Hebrew guys walking, and he sees them together, and watch their response to him. And he, said, he sees the two Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? That's interesting. You know what these Hebrew guys see in Moses? They see an Egyptian. He said, you, you, you slew that, thy fellow, somebody that's just like you. You see that in that verse? He's still trying to figure out who he is. And so he, he says, and he thinks in his mind he's got away with it, and then he says in verse number 14, and he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Little did they know he was going to be a judge, a ruler over them later. I wonder if those men were still alive when he came back. Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. And it was known because the next verse says Pharaoh is trying to seek him. So here you have his pride. And he, he says this thing, surely this thing is known. So what does he do? What most people do, he runs. Now here's a sin problem. You can't run from a sin problem. Wherever you take your sin, it's going to go with you. And he's going he's to think this through and think this through the rest of his life. It's going to be a sin issue that he's going to think of. And, and the Egyptians, can you imagine him going to see Pharaoh later on and knowing that maybe there's a price on his head for, for him killing that? Because you've got to remember, that guy that he killed probably had a family. They probably knew who, who did it. Because Pharaoh knew who did it. It's this guy by the name of Moses, and he's the guy that stayed in the, in the, in the palace. So here he, he says, listen, he says, surely this thing is known, and instead of confronting it, and why didn't he confront it? I think he thought, if, if they catch me, what? You want to talk about capital punishment? They believe in capital punishment. They would have killed him. So when, when sin happens, you know, we, we don't need to hide it, and we don't need to run from it. And here his issue is pride. He's like, I'm not going to have this happen. I'm going to get out of there. And so now you have Moses' path on, in, in uh, Exodus chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. And then here's an interesting aspect of this too. First of all, you've got to realize where he goes, they're not Hebrew people anymore. He's going to the Gentiles. He goes off and he's in a group of people that's the Gentiles and he's hiding out. It says in verse number 15, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of the Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now, I don't know how far this was, but Pharaoh didn't send out a group. He could have, but he didn't. I wonder if he really thought this through, that this, Pharaoh, this, this Moses, I know him. He's like my child. He's just gone. I don't have to deal with him anymore. But he sits by this well, and he's with these Gentiles. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to, the, to, to water their father's flock. It says, And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Here, Moses doesn't want to be a leader, but wherever he is, he is a, a crime fighter. He, he went after the guy, killed the guy, and I'm not saying that was right, but here he's at a water hole, and these ladies are coming up trying to fill their water. And what happens? The shepherds run them out. And what does he do? Most men would say, okay, just let it go. Let's not do anything. It's not worth the fight. But what does he do? He runs the shepherds off. He can say he's not a leader, but every time he sees an injustice, he tries to fix it. 
right or wrong, he still tries to fix it. And so he runs them out, and the girls come in, and they, they feel this. Now, I don't know if he did this just because of the ladies, and maybe he thought one of them was cute or something. I don't know. But he's sitting there, and he's, he's ran from Pharaoh. He really has nothing. He can't run to his real mom, and he can't run to their family because he can't go back to Egypt, and he can't go back to the place that he knew for 40 years. He's all by himself. He's been thrown out. He's sitting by a well. He sees an injustice. And guess what? His leadership pops up. He says, listen, you're not going to do that anymore. And they bring, those, they bring those, their flock in and they feed him. You say, well, how do you know that? Because of the dad's reaction. They come back early, and we'll read in just a second, and the dad goes, how did you get here so early? Because he knew the process of what would happen. He knew it would take them a long time and they would probably have to fend off some of these shepherds or some of these people around the world. Look, look at what it says. The dad. Now you got to look at, remember, I told you that he's trying to figure out who he is. Go to verse number 18. It says in verse number 18, I'm sorry, verse number 17, the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. This was not the norm. When they came to rule their father, he said, how is it that ye are come so soon today? He makes a statement. He says, how do you know? How, how did you get back so quick? You shouldn't have got back so fast. And watch what they say. Remember I told you he's looking out for who, he's trying to figure out who he is. Look at verse number 19. And they said, and what's the next word? What made them think he was an Egyptian? I think it was the way he was dressed. And the way he was raised. Now he is in the Gentile situation and they are saying, listen, he's an Egyptian. In, all, in some actuality, he was an Egyptian. He was raised in that. He probably looked like it. He probably had the, 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 the words of an Egyptian. It says, and they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. Now this guy looks at it and goes, now where'd you put him? Where's he at? I mean, he helped you out. Why did you not bring him back? Look at the next verse. It says, and he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Question mark. Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. He's just being thankful for what, what, what Moses has done. He says, listen, go get him, bring him back. We need to see him. Why would you leave him? See, the thing is, is you have Moses' pride. He had that sin issue. Then you have his path. And even when he's going down the path, he's a little bit like Joseph. Wherever he goes, he becomes a leader. Like it or, or, or like it, he, here he is, he's saying, okay, I'm here, these people are being treated wrong, I'm going to take, and it wasn't his own people at this time. These were Gentiles. These girls came up and he said, listen, you're not going to do that. And he helps them, and not only does he run those shepherds off, he helps feed the flock. It was not the norm for a stranger to do that. You know what the difference between north and south is? You could talk to people in the south, you can't talk to them in the north. You gotta know where you're at. I mean, I, I, when I'm down here and I'm pumping gas, if there's somebody pumping gas beside me, if you make eye contact, you better say hello. You're up north and you're pumping gas and you make eye contact, you don't say anything, you just look down. Because they think you're gonna, they're gonna rob you. Well, he was in a foreign land doing what God had told him to do. This was the path that he was going down. And this path is something that's going to lead to him. You know what? When I look at the next point, his peace, he talks about being content. Look at the next verse. Point number three is Moses' peace. Have you ever met somebody that says, I'm content with where I am? Have you ever met somebody that said that that really wasn't? 
It's just something they know that know to say. Moses has lost everything. And he, to him, he's, he's, he's in the Egyptians' eyes, he's committed the unpardonable sin. He killed someone from Egypt. He flees, and now he's with them, and he's trying to convince himself that he's content. But can I tell you, he's really not. And you can sense it by these two verses. When you're content, you're happy with everything going on. You're not happy, but there's joy in your life, even when things are not going your way. That's being content. The Bible never said that you need to be content when you have everything you want. Does everybody have everything they want? Is there something that you could, you could need? You, you could, if someone gave it to you, you'd say, oh man, I, that would be nice to have. We don't have everything that we, that we want. But we can still be content. Here he uses the word content. Look at the next verse. And here we're talking about him being content. We're talking about his path. We're talking about his peace. And I think he's trying to convince himself, and it says this, and Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. So he was just content with where he was. Was he really? Because he has a child. And some people will say they're where they need to be, but they're not really who they, they're really not that way. A lost person cannot be content. Because there's that inner being in you saying something, there's a higher creature. There's a, high, there's a higher creator. There's something that needs to be going on in our life. And sometimes in our life, even as a Christian, we say, oh, we're content. But really, we wish we had this, and we wish we had that, and we wish we had this. But here he says he's content to live. How many of you could live in the wilderness? Men in here? Okay, there's one. Randy, you could probably do it. Austin, you could do it. You can, eat. can you eat bugs? All right, there we go. There's two of you. Okay. Me and Brother Moody, uh-uh. We're going to live in a, in a nice house. Amen. You guys can eat bugs all you want, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to live in the wilderness. But here he says he has a child. Look what he names his child. It says in verse number 21 that he was content. In verse number 22, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Now, he, just look at this. If he says he's a stranger in a strange land, it sure doesn't sound like he's content. It's almost like when you're reading this that you can see that there's something bigger for Moses. But Moses has got to see it. God's always got a plan for you. Even when you don't understand the plan. Everybody understand that you, God has a plan for you and you might not understand it. Wherever you're at, understand God has a plan for you. We talk about pride. Sometimes sin gets in and messes everything up. And we move away and God tries to teach us and then we go in, in the plan that God has for us. And it might not be the original plan, but it's a plan and God's still with you. He's trying to pull you back and then we say, oh, we're content with where we are. It amazes me how many people get out of church and they always make this statement, I don't really need church. I really don't need church. I'm content with where I am. And I love it when people say, um, you don't need to go to church to worship. Anybody ever hear that statement? Uh, you don't need to go to church to worship. And most of those people are saying that because they don't worship anytime. 
We've got to get back to understanding that God has something for us. He has a plan. This thing about worship, we need to be together. We have to have peace in our heart. We don't know what's right around the corner. We don't. I mean, do you not feel like this world's unstable? But can I say, even in an unstable world, we can be stable if we have the peace that passes all understanding? Here he says he's content, and then he has a child. He names him that. In fact, the exact word that his name means, um, the, the... Gershom, it means this. It means a foreigner. Now, if you named your child, and there's a lot of new names out there. How many of you, there's some names I go, why would you name your child Wind? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and Stormy, and we had a young girl in our, in, our ch- in our church in Illinois 20 years ago, and her name was Rebel. And I thought it was a nickname. And I said, is that your real name? She goes, Yes, she goes, my dad was a James Dean fan, Rebel Without a Cause, and he named me after that. And, and I said, well, where's your dad at now? He's in prison. He later would die in prison. And, and then she goes, but I hate my, first, my middle name. I was like, what's your middle name? She goes, it's Ann. I said, Ann, come here. This is, this is Rebel. Would you like to meet her? I mean, we name people. Can you imagine if you're, if, if you're from a different country and you name your child basically a foreigner? how much they would stand out in in their land. Because we live in a different era. We don't really know. I know someone named Foreigner. Foreigner. Are they from this country? They are. But you just think about what people see. See, now, we we know what that name means. Can you imagine? Everybody in, in the Egyptian world or in the Gentile world knew what the word foreigner meant. It meant you were not part of this this area. And so he lives there. How many years does he live in this, this, this area? Forty more years. Time he gets called. How would you like to be called at 80 years old? Okay, you're going to take all these Israelites out of the country. You're going to be charged with a million pe- over a million people. Every time he said that, he has another child too. And as you look at all these things, you see Moses' life and... God has something for him. What's the thing Moses is going to say when God tells him he wants to be a leader? What's he going to say? He can't what? I can't speak to people. Well, he's been educated more than the the Hebrew people have. And what's his main thing? We all know some of the words he spoke. Finish this statement. Let my people go. He was a speaker all the time. But yet God was making... Why did God put him in the wilderness? Why does God put you in the wilderness? To teach you to eat bugs and teach you to live live hard and understand that you can make it. Amen? There's nothing wrong with living in in a situation where God's trying to teach you. And right now, we're looking at him, and he is in that spot where he has to learn some stuff. So we have his sin issue, his pride. We have the plan that he has, and... He, he, does, he does this thing and he takes off. And all of a sudden he gets married. He goes and he, and he gets married. He has, and then, then, then we have his peace that he says he has. I'm content with where I am. He's not content. He names his child foreigner. But even in the midst of this, can I tell you this? God has a plan for Moses. And you're about ready to see it take place. When Moses comes on the scene, remember what it said about Pharaoh? said the new Pharaoh did not know who? Joseph. It's interesting, there's some parallelisms of Joseph and there's some opposite things of Joseph's. 
Joseph was put in new situations and Moses was put in new situations. Joseph was put in situations that was out of his control. Right? He was put into Potiphar's house. That was out of his control. He was put in prison. That was out of his control. He was in front of, he was in front of Pharaoh. That was out of his control. Now Moses is, is, is put in a situation. He's still a leader everywhere he goes. But it's from his own doing. He kills somebody and he has to flee. Now he's at this situation and then you're going to see God take over at the very end of this, this chapter. Let's look at the last four verses of this chapter. As we, as we study these last couple verses in the chapter, it starts in verse number 23 and it goes to 25. There's three verses. It says, And it came to pass in process of time, the king of Egypt died. You know, the, the sad thing is, is that Pharaoh's not going to, the same Pharaoh's not going to be in there. But Moses is still the same person. How many people have you ever met that, that said, listen, I can't do anything for God because I did da 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 You ever met somebody like that? I have. I don't know what God would do if I came to church. What better place for you to come if you feel that way? Here he says, listen, the, the, here's, here's Moses' plan, and it's starting to unfold. It says that came in process that of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. So here, they're crying over the bondage that they're in. And it says, um, and they cried, and they cry, cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. So here they're, they're, they're they're upset about where they're at and they're saying, Lord, Lord, help us out of this. These are the same people that are going to get out of Egypt. They're going to complain where they're at then. Well, I, I want to go back to where the garlic and leeks were, man. I want to go where the garlic and onions were. Send us back there. At least we had food. But here they're, they're, they're crying and they're, they're, they're yelling out to God. And here's an aspect that you've got to think of too. Did God know how they were going to respond when they were in the, in the wilderness? Absolutely he did. Did he know this was just a passing moment for them? Absolutely he did. The year 40, do some research and find out what the number 40 means because 40 happens a lot in this story. He's 40 when he goes and he kills a guy. He's 40 years in the wilderness. How long were the 40 years in the wilderness with, with, the, with his family and the, and the child? And then what? How long are they out in the wilderness? 40 years. Everything's 40 for him. And then we'll talk about 40 next week. But Pharaoh dies in this last part, and the people cried inside. They're, they're, they're concerned about it. Keep reading, and it says, And God heard their groanings. And I've heard people read this, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He had never forgotten that. <clears throat> he just let the people get where they needed to go. It kind of shows you that God knows exactly what he's doing, right? And so he's leading them where they need to go. And look at verse number 25. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. This is how you know you have a forgiving father. Because we can't see the future. But he can. This is all setting this up for Moses. Little does Moses know at this time, in verses number 23 through 25, that God is setting his plan in motion. And, and I want to say this to you, God knows his plan for you. 
You say, well, I'm X amount of years. I don't know what I'm going to do. What does God have for me? How can I, how can I, how can I follow God's will if I don't really know what it is? God knows what it is, and he'll help you through it. The thing that gets in our way is sometimes we have our pride. We have our sin that's in front of us. What, what, whatever your sin is, it, it, it will try to destroy the plan that God has for you. And despite the sin that he did, God still used Moses. You know, when you read that story and you read it in Hebrews chapter 11, there are a lot of wicked people that were in there. People of faith, they said. And it just shows you how much God overlooks it. He is a God of mercy and grace. When he can, in the chapter of faith, he can mention a girl by the name of Rahab. He can, he can mention um, David, a man after God's own heart, that he had a sin. He, can, he mentions Moses. He mentions all these people, and there's so many people in there. Mentions Gideon. And Gideon was a man of faith. <clears throat> Study Gideon. He was not a man of faith. He was a chicken. Scared to death of what was going on. But man, here, here he is, and he's in the chapter of faith. He has a plan for us, folks. He has a plan for you individually. He has a plan as a group at Bible Baptist Church. He has a plan for us. And here he's, he's talking to him, and he says, listen, you don't know this yet, Moses, but I'm going to take Pharaoh off the scene so that you can come back in and you can talk to the new Pharaoh. And he's going to stand as a leader against the strongest person in the world. We're going to go through the ten plagues of what they did. We're going to look at the ten, ten commandments. Moses, when you look at Moses, he's surrounded by 40 and he's surrounded by tens. But as we look at this, I want you to see this, that God has, a, God has a path for you. He has peace for you no matter what you're going through. There's people in this room that have health issues that they have to deal with. Some of, some of you don't even know what they are. But God can still give you peace. You don't have to be a foreigner. You don't have to call your child a foreigner. You don't have to do this. You have to find what, what, what's your issue in your life, your pride or your sin. Get it, get it taken care of. Don't look around to see who saw it because God saw it. Understand God has a plan for you and he wants you to have peace in it and he's, he's implementing a plan right now. Aren't you thankful that God makes a plan for your life? I'm 53 years old. God has a plan. for He's, he's not done with me. He's not done with you. How many of you are in your 50s in here? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are in your 60s? Okay, he still has a plan. I'm not going to go any higher than that, but you know what? Hey, okay. Can I go higher? Okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, no. <laughs> you know, he still has a plan for you. I have seen older people that don't have a plan. They just exist. That's not what God intended. I mean, you're talking to Moses at 80 years, and I know their lifespan was different. But I would say this to you, I think the lifespan, I think the hardship back then was a lot harder than it is now. Uh, I just, I, I can't comprehend it. I mean, I, I think you have a grandmother that might turn 100 this year. Lord, take me home. <laughs> 100 years old, I'm amazing. What are you doing with the sin in your life? Quit looking out this way. Look at this way. Do you know why Moses probably didn't look up? He wasn't raised that way. 
He was raised an Egyptian. God of the sun. God of the stars. He wasn't raised that way. You were. And he has a plan for you. Even despite your fault. I would dare say, and I'm going I'm to step out on a limb on this one, that no one in here is a murderer. Okay? If you are, don't come tell me that, because then I'll have to turn you in. Okay? I don't know, Denver's got that, that weird eye sometimes he looks at me. What? <laughs> Just think of this. He killed someone out of what? Rage. And God still used him. So when Satan looks at you and says, listen, you can't do anything for God. Look at him and say, if you can use a murderer and you can use a harlot and you can use a, you can use a chicken, you can use someone that's scared to death and you call him that he's what? Chapter of faith? And you can use a man, David, a man after God's own heart. And wait a minute, what did he do? Sometimes he murdered, and he not only murdered, he did something else. He had a wrong relationship with somebody that wasn't even his wife. And so we look back and go, man, we can't do anything because we have X amount. Maybe we lie or we do something else. Man, if he can use those people, he can use us. And I want to end it with this. He always has a plan for you. Always. Even when you don't know it. Watch this. Did Moses know at this time that Pharaoh had died? No. He was living his life. In a land that's not his. Lo and behold, he doesn't know that Pharaoh died. He's going to find out later. But God has a plan. And God has a plan for him to help the people that he originally was from. And he really wasn't part of their clan. He was more of an Egyptian than he was a Hebrew with what he was taught. And God was going to use this man. Why would God use someone like that? God would use someone like that because he could work with both sides. He understood the Egyptians. He also understood the Hebrews. And here Moses is coming on the scene. Aren't you glad that God has a plan for you?